awesome. You wouldn't know that they filmed those video announcements on a day when there was no power until it got to the worship night and the change room table. It's not as dark as it looked. <laughs> There's lights on, I can see it. It's not as dark as it, as it looks back there. So welcome, it's good to see you. It's good to have you here in person or online. Welcome, we welcome you in the name of Jesus. Today we're considering resurrection living. Last Sunday we talked about and experienced resurrection life in the story of Easter. The good news of Jesus rising from the dead. The good news of our lives being reborn, like seeds planted and the coming forth, that video was just so cool. And growing into new life. Today, we're gonna talk about resurrection living. I receive resurrection life through faith in Jesus, and then through an ongoing encounter with the Spirit of God, through him prompting me, through the presence of Pastor Joel talking about enemies we face and coming at it in the name of the Lord, through this process of discipleship, I am transformed into the image of Jesus. And that's the participating in resurrection living. Today we're going to talk about participating in the resurrection living process. About 15 years ago, I was looking for them desperately this morning. About 15 years ago, I bought hiking boots. Don't you think this outfit would have looked so much better if I was wearing hiking boots? Yes, yes yeah. I knew it, because this nothing goes like a dress with a dress than hiking boots, but I could not find them. I literally thought they were stolen from my car when I forgot to lock it. I'm like, who would steal hiking boots? I don't know, but that's where I went. Um, it took till I was literally pulling in here to realize they are beside the fireplace drying out from a very rainy walk hike on Monday. So. They're there, but I, about 15 years ago, I bought hiking boots, and I bought them to go snowshoeing. I bought them literally for one snowshoeing thing. I was not a hiker. I never liked mountains. I never liked hills. I remember living at the top of a hill, and the beach was at the bottom of the hill where I grew up for a lot of years, and I hated that hill. I hate hills, hated hills. Um, because as this story will unfold, you will realize I actually love hiking and I've become a hiker. But 15 years ago, I bought these boots and I went for a snowshoe and I discovered new boots equal blisters. Um, I did not know that you needed to break in boots. Had no idea. I had no idea that wearing two pairs of socks or double line socks would help. Had no idea. I distinctly remember getting into hiking a few years ago, and I could take you to the spot on the Diaz Vistas hike over near Bunsen, where I realized I had not enough water. I can take you to the place on the Chief where I realized I did not have enough food. I've learned so much about what it takes to be a hiker because of experience and realizing, oh shoot, I do not have enough water. Oh man, I do not have enough food. Oh, these blisters are really bad. What can I do? Duct tape. 
am learning and experiencing greater and greater heights, greater and greater distances, to the point where they say the next hurdle to cross is actually sleeping outside after a hike. I don't know about that. I do not know about that. I'm, I'm good with like a 20-kilometer day hike. I, I don't know about sleeping outside. I just, I don't know about that. I'm, I'm not there yet. But the process of becoming a hiker has been learn this, do this, practice this, go a little bit further. And every year when I pull out my boots in the spring, you have to start warming up. I remember distinctly last year, Evans Peak, not warmed up enough. I hate it. We'll never do it again. Don't recommend it in the least. I hate it. 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 And I might need to go to counseling because of the trauma experienced on that hike. I hate it. I hate it. But sometimes in life, we don't always enjoy the path in front of us. Today, I'm talking about resurrection living. Wherever you've come to faith, you might have just bought your hiking boots, and you might be like, uh, uh, I'm not sure exactly what the next part of this process is. You might have had them a while, and uh, you know, it's time to get back out there. It's time to take the next step. It's time to stretch your faith a little bit more. A few weeks ago, at our Sunday evening training times, the leader was leading in a prayer of, search me, O God. And I was sitting there and I felt like God said to me, you have an attitude problem. I need you to adjust it. And my response was, but you, and I did not get further than, but before it seemed like God said to me, this wasn't meant as a dialogue. God will highlight areas of sin, highlight attitudes that need adjusting, highlight ways that we're meant to walk in, generosity, forgiveness, the gifts that he's given us. God will highlight these things and invite us to resurrection living, to the ongoing journey of being transformed into the likeness of Jesus. We get to participate in this. This morning, we're gonna look at four stories that happened after the resurrection, where the disciples had various responses to Jesus, <laughs> various responses to him showing up and interacting with them. And in those responses, we see disappointment, we see fear, we see them being startled, we see doubt. And their initial responses didn't stay their initial responses. And if they had stayed there, they would have missed the living beyond the point of resurrection life. Jesus was standing there in the midst of them in all of these encounters. And they were startled, they were disappointed, they were afraid. And through the interaction that took place, those initial responses changed to joy and amazement 
changed to following God faithfully, changed to being worshipful in their declaration of who Jesus was. Today's invitation is to consider our responses to God's leading, to consider where we are at in our resurrection living process. What is the Holy Spirit highlighting in your life? Where is God leading you? What are the ways that you are in the process of discipleship? What is God saying to you today? And our first reactions don't have to be our final reaction. My question for you today, questions for you today are, am I open to the transformation process of resurrection living? Am I open? Am I open to God saying, you have an attitude problem? Am I open to God saying, I have a person for you to encourage? Am I open to God's leading in my life? Am I open to God, his presence, his conviction, his ways? Am I open to changing my responses if it's highlighted that my initial response is not the best response? We're gonna look at four post-resurrection experiences and each of them could be a whole time spent considering them, but we're just gonna look at what their responses were and how those changed and what that can mean to encourage our life of faith today. The first encounter is the road to Emmaus in Luke chapter 24. And basically this story is that on the morning of the resurrection, there are two disciples that are headed away from Jerusalem. And the scripture says that they're, they're about on a seven mile journey from Jerusalem. And we're not going to read all of the story, but what ends up happening is that Jesus comes up and walks alongside them and basically draws out conversation like he doesn't know what's going on. And so they say, have you not heard? Are you the only one that hasn't heard? And Jesus goes on to explain um, who he was and basically uses scripture to talk about who he was throughout scripture. And they get to where they're going and the disciples invite Jesus in and Jesus breaks bread. And in the breaking of bread, they recognize who is sitting at their table. But in this journey, these two disciples say to Jesus, we had hoped he would be the one to redeem Israel. And they even knew that there were reports of his resurrection, but they were so stuck in his death and their expectations that they were in disappointment and discouragement. And they're saying to Jesus, we had hoped he would be the one to redeem Israel. Disappointment and discouragement, sometimes our expectations of our life of faith, sometimes our expectations of what resurrection life should look like set us up for disappointment. We might think we had hoped, I had hoped that if I became a Christian, I would be blessed. I am, but sometimes our expectations of what that blessing looks like 
means a life free from hardship or trial or bumps and scrapes and bruises and blisters. We had hoped that healing would be swift. We had hoped that prodigals would return sooner. We had hoped that relationships would be easy. You're a Christian, I'm a Christian. Shouldn't that mean, <laughs> nah, <bruh. laughs> Just because Jesus is here doesn't mean this is any, you know, sometimes it's easier, but we had hoped that hearing God would be smooth and easy. We had hoped that church would be without difficulties. Bless you. We had hoped that life would look a certain way. And in those hopes can come disappointment and discouragement if it doesn't look that way. In Luke chapter 24, 30 through 35, we see their changed response. And this is what it says. When he, Jesus, was at the table with them, he took bread, he gave thanks and broke it and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. Just like this whole story would preach because, wow. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. Just consider they did a 14 mile hike in that day. 14, seven miles one way, seven miles the other. There they found the 11 and those with them assembled together and saying, it is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. These two disciples who had walked away from the action, headed towards Emmaus, then broke, the bread was broken and they recognized who Jesus was and they returned in this response, I see resilience. They got disappointed. They had hoped Jesus' coming and, and ministry would result in a certain thing. And when Jesus was died and, and buried, and even with reports of resurrection, they were heading away. And they were steady in the sense of we had hoped but when Jesus broke the bread and their eyes were opened and they knew where they were and who was in their presence, they got up right away and went back. They were like, back. And they were saying to the disciples, it's true, it's true. It's just like they have been reporting to us. They had resilience. I love resilience. I think one of the things that our discipleship process could be, could be likened to is the word resilience. The word resilience is the idea that I get knocked down, but I get better at getting back up again. And the, the, the development of resilience in my life of faith is recognizing I get knocked down, but there's this process of how fast am I getting back up again? How quick are my eyes being opened to where God is in the midst of this battle, in the midst of this struggle, in the midst of all that's going on in life, I get knocked down, but I get back up again. It's like those clowns, those toys as a child that I had this weight at the bottom and 
I just love hitting things over. I have issues, but I just like the force of pushing. Jesus has worked on my heart, but as a child, I just really liked knocking things over. My mom would tell you a story of, I have twin sisters that are 17 months younger than I am, and she would tell you a story of me pulling one child in their jolly jumper and letting that one go into the other (laughs) twin. I've often said, you know, listen, start there in counseling because I don't know, man. But that resilience process is getting knocked down and returning to community of faith, returning to the pathway that God has marked out for us. Resilience, their changed response was, I'm going back. And honoring the sense of, we're not our hearts burning within us. As Jesus was talking to us about scripture, they recognized where Jesus was. This past week at my life group, we watched a a video about prayer and Pete Gregg said, there's an element of our prayer life that when we can shift from why to where, it's a powerful place to get to. Instead of praying, God, why is this happening? Why is this not turning out as I had hoped? Why, why? Why? Turning to where? Jesus, where are you? Where is my heart burning with the awareness of your presence? Where, God, are you in this journey? Am I open in any areas of disappointment or discouragement in my life to recognize where God is at? Am I open to resilience? Am I open to, though I get knocked down, it might be a slow and steady, blistered, stumbling forward, but am I willing to get up and keep going in the transformation process of resurrection living? The second story is just after this one in Luke chapter 24, and this is the disciples in general. So these two that were journeying away return to the disciples, and their response is that it literally, this isn't one of the verses on the notes or on the screen, but in verse 36, it was like, while they were still talking about this, so these two that were on the road to Emmaus come back, and while they were still talking about all of that encounter, Jesus appears to them and says, peace be with you. And the disciples are startled and frightened. (laughs) Because literally, sometimes I just have an overactive imagination. I'm like, they're, 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 they're sitting there talking about this and Jesus just kind of like appears. And they are startled and frightened as I would be too as you would be too. Ghost basically walks into the room and everybody can see this being and they're like, it's a startle response. I'm not afraid of snakes, but let me tell you, when I was uh, running the other day on the crunch, one just kind of like slithered out of the side and I startled. 
<laughs> I literally jumped and the person behind me laughed and they were like, you didn't see the snake? No, I did not see the snake until I was literally about to step on it. And then I was startled. I'm not afraid of it. I'm just startled by sudden movement out of the corner of my eye. And this is what happens. Sometimes in life, we are startled or frightened. There's a, hmm, I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure about this. Sometimes resurrection living is startling. What God would ask of us in forgiveness, what God would ask of us in generosity, what God would ask of us in giving something up or going somewhere or making such a decision that's very life-changing is startling and a little bit frightening. There's a response of, is that God? Like, uh, I'm not sure about that. That's a big thing that is being asked of me. And there's a startling response of, I'm not sure about that. A number of years ago, I was praying for a very difficult situation that was going on in life. And I felt like the Holy Spirit said, you need to hold on to that person with loving kindness. And there was no part of me that thought that was a good idea, to be completely honest. And when that was what was put before me in prayer, I was like, no because that felt risky, it felt vulnerable, it felt way too nice, given the circumstances. And I distinctly remember that sense of, that can't be, that can't, that can't, that can't be God. That's, mm, it's, it's just a little bit startling, it's a little bit frightening. There can be a fear of losing control there can be just a frightened sense of looking foolish. There can be just a startled sense of the unexpected. And if we stay in that, we miss what took place here. In Luke chapter 24, verses 38 to 43, we have, Jesus says to them, why are you troubled and why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself, touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still did not believe it because, okay, let me try that one again. And while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and ate it in their presence. So they go from frightened and startled, thinking it's a ghost, and then they're in joy and amazement, still not sure of what's going on. So he says, do you have any fish? Let me show you the reality that is in front of you. Their changed response was from startled and frightened to joy and amazement, awe, wow, that you would be here and ask this of me, that you, God, would be here and speak this to me, that you, God, would draw me in this way of resurrection living, bring such joy and awe to my life. They 
looked at who was standing in front of them and saw Jesus. When our response is one of startled or frightened or fear or just, I'm not sure if I can do that. Our invitation is to look at who God is, to look at the grace we've received, to look at the forgiveness we've received, to look at the love of God, to look at the wounds and remind ourselves and remember that the life of Jesus is one of healings and miracles, that the ministry of Jesus is one of death to life, of darkness to light. In the face of big or fearful points of this journey of faith, we need to remind ourselves and look at who God is. It's an anchor point for our souls. Years ago, just appreciating in prayer, the beginning part of prayer, declaring and reminding myself who God is. God, you created the heavens and the earth. Nothing is too difficult for you. God, you have transformed life after life after life. God, you have met people. You have spoken to me. You have healed my life. God, you are gracious and good. Looking at who God is in the face of the startling or maybe frightening things that he might ask for us. Two more stories this morning. Thomas, we're gonna switch over to the book of John. John chapters 20 and 21 have two, two stories that we're gonna look at. Thomas, now this story might be one of the more sensitive because we're gonna talk about Thomas's experience with doubt. Thomas is quite known throughout history as being doubting Thomas. And it's true. When faced with the accounts of Jesus rising from the dead and the disciples, he wasn't there when Jesus first showed up to the disciples. And so they're like, Thomas, you totally missed it. And his response is, unless I see this, unless I put my hands in the wounds I don't believe it. So he has an experience of doubt. And that could very well be in many of our own lives, if we're honest. Was that God speaking? Was that God's leading? Even in my story of dealing with a very difficult situation, when I, I sense that this was the response, there can be a real doubt about, God, is this you? Are you asking me to change my attitude? Are you asking this of me? There can be a real doubt, even in the, does God move like that? Does God heal today? Is this, is this possible? Like, doubt. Is there a God? How do we interpret scripture? How do we come to the point of believing that this is the way? I wanna read the response of what happened. In John chapter 20, verse 26, a week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. 
Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here, see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. And uh, this isn't in the notes, but verse 29 says, then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. There's an interesting part of this story. Thomas says, unless I see, I'm not gonna believe. And a week later, a week later, he's still with the disciples. Sometimes when doubt is in our life, we separate from the situation that we are doubting. Sometimes when we have questions, we withdraw. Maybe that's just me, but if I doubt it, I'm like, I have questions about this faith thing. I have, I have questions and I'm not sure where to take them and so I'm just gonna kind of pull away a little bit. And the interesting thing about this story is that Thomas was still in community. Now, I wanna say that church hasn't always been the safest place to bring our doubts. It hasn't. Church hasn't always been the safest place for people to ask questions about who is God? How do we interact with creation, with Noah's Ark, with the Exodus, with all of these things? How do we, how do, we do this? The church hasn't always been safe for people that have questions. And I just wanna say I'm really sorry about that. Sincerely because it should be a safe place for us to ask and answer and wrestle. It should be a place where you can bring your fears and doubts and we can journey together, where you can be found in community and the testimony of Jesus can help you understand, can help us both understand. A number of years ago, when Frozen 2 came out, so 2019, I was watching Frozen 2, and there's a scene that I totally cringed. I, I just, I cringed, I'm not gonna lie, I cringed. When Kristoff says, my love is not fragile, I was like, oh, cringe. Like, uber cringe. And then wouldn't you know it, I had a dream a while later, and I felt like in the dream, I was trying to answer people's questions. I teach Old Testament survey and there are a lot of questions in the Old Testament, just war and genocide and all of these, there's just a lot of questions that get stirred up teaching Old Testament survey and I was praying for my class, praying for this specific thing and then I, I went to sleep and I had this dream and in the dream I'm like searching questions and searching answers and trying to come up with all of these things and in the dream it was like Jesus just walked in the room and he's like, my love is not fragile. And I was like, oh, oh, cringe. But then I stopped and I realized my faith is not fragile and my awareness of God's love is not fragile and I'm willing to journey with anyone in any doubt. So I come alongside students and I'm like, I don't know that I'm gonna have an answer that is good enough 
to convince you because in every faith journey, I can give you all this information and you can come to all these answers and all these historical representations of Jesus and all of this study and all of this stuff and you're gonna get to the end of it and there will be a point of faith. I'll be like, there's a lot of stuff here and faith to believe that God is who he says he is, that Jesus heals and is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Faith. But I do want us to be a safe place where people can ask questions, where people can grow in their hearing of God and following of God's leading in their life, where I can wrestle with the, the doubts and the process of life even if it gets messy. Who are the safe people and places in your life to process these questions with, if you have them? I want you to know that we want to be a safe place to journey in faith together, to learn and to grow, to come to a point where Paul in 2 Timothy Chapter one says, I know whom I have believed in and that he is faithful. The process of being transformed into the likeness of Jesus is getting to that place where you can confidently say, I know whom I have believed in and that he is faithful. That all of us can journey to that place. Finally, the fourth story this morning is of Peter, and this wasn't his first encounter with the resurrected Jesus, but it was a powerful encounter with the resurrected Jesus. So just a short backstory, Peter was the disciple who Jesus said, you're gonna deny me three times before the rooster crows on the night that Jesus was betrayed, and Peter's like, nah, I'm not, and then sure enough, he does, and he's devastated by the reality that he denied being with Jesus and knowing Jesus. And so this encounter with the resurrected Jesus was a, a place of restoration. And in short, there's this exchange where Jesus is like, Peter, do you love me? And Peter responds and Jesus says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter responds in affir affirmation. And a third time, and it's like undoing the three denials. It's a very powerful experience between Jesus and Peter. And afterwards, <laughs> after this like really powerful moment between Jesus and Peter, we pick up the story and they're walking away from it. And in verse 21 of John chapter 21, Peter looks behind and sees John, another disciple, and Peter says, what about him? What about him? After this powerful encounter, Jesus and Peter hanging out, Peter looks, uh, looks beside him and is like, ha uh, what about him? Sometimes our response to God's leading is comparison. Sometimes I will be considering, well, what about them getting away with that and you're asking me to adjust my attitude? How is that fair? 
what about their gifts compared to my gifts? What about their ability to hear God versus my ability to hear God? What about them? What about them? What about them? This is the birthplace of resentment. When we compare the process of God in my life with the process of God in your life, the process of resurrection in me and where I'm at in my journey, and if I compare where I'm at and you're at, there can be resentment born here. And what Jesus says to Peter in John chapter 21, verses 20, starting in 22, Jesus answers him, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Because of this, the rumor spread among the believers that the disciple would not die, but Jesus did not say that he would not die. He only said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? Jesus is pretty firm with Peter. You follow me. My plans and purposes for John are my plans and purposes for John. You follow me. And what we know from beyond this text is that Peter followed Jesus. In Acts chapter two, it was Peter that stood up and gave a world-changing sermon. It was Peter who faithfully followed and served the resurrected Jesus. When we compare ourselves to others and their journeys, we miss the opportunity that God has in front of our journey, our life. As I close today, I just want to remind us of the questions that I asked at the beginning and consider, am I willing to follow the transformation process of resurrection living? Am I open to God coming into my life and highlighting areas that need adjusting, speaking ways and paths and journeys ahead of me? Am I open to the presence of God? Am I open to the ways of God? Am I open to my responses of disappointment or fear or even just startling or doubt or comparison? Am I, am I open to acknowledging those and and having them transformed? Am I open to God leading me in resurrection living? Wherever I'm at today, wherever you're at today, whether your hiking boots need to come out of the box and fitted and you know, you might get some blisters. We're gonna go out for a hike this afternoon or whatever that would be. Wherever you're at today, are you open to where God is leading today? I wanna pray and then the worship team was gonna come and lead us in a, a song of just take me from where I've been into something more, something new. I just really sense in this song there's an opportunity to respond to that invitation of being open and allowing God to do to highlight, to speak to us, to convict us, to speak to us. I'll say that one again. Let me pray. Father, I am open. God, we're 
open to you leading us. We're open to your presence. We're open to your power. We're open to your purposes. We're open to the way that you lead us and transform our lives. We're, we're open. And it might not be comfortable. It might not be easy. It might not be smooth. There might be a process of learning and growing and wrestling, God, but we're open. We're open to the more that you would have for us today. We're open to your ways. We're open to being transformed into your image. We're open. God, would you have your way as we respond in this song, God, would you have your way in our lives? Would you have your way in our hearts and our minds? Would you have your way in our relationships? Would you have your way in this church? God, we're open to resurrection living and being transformed by your presence. In your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen.